Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Back Adventures podcast. Uh, this episode was actually recorded quite a while ago in May, May 16th to be exact. And uh, at that time, I live streamed on Instagram uh, my interview here with Jonathan Roy, which took place at Rakabisik in Gatineau. And then for some reason, I never put it up on uh, Captivate. So it was never posted. And I never even noticed um, things got really busy after that with the summit and everything. And only recently did a... Did I get a message going, hey man, whatever happened to that episode? And then I was like, oh my God, it never went out. Like, I mean, it was obviously on Instagram and some people live streamed it, and but it never got posted here. So um, my huge apologies to Jonathan. Um, I don't know how that happened. Uh, I mean, random things can happen at any time, I guess. But um, I was quite surprised by this one of, uh, you know, anyways. Um, it was a fantastic interview. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jonathan Roy. Just to give you, I, I'm not sure if at the start of this episode I explained what uh, Jonathan Roy's past. I believe I do, but just in case, uh, he spent three years bike touring around the world. Um, not everywhere in the world, obviously, but has uh, some extraordinary stories to tell. And um, from a very photographic perspective he takes a lot of pictures and does, did a lot of media and stuff at the time and video taking and um and he tells a good story he he's written two books on his adventures and uh in french and um yeah he's very well spoken and it was a real pleasure to, to have a chance to speak with him so i hope you guys enjoy it sorry it's uh i don't know six months late something like that not quite Four months late. Four months late. Um, but yeah, anyways, enjoy the show and uh, keep on pedaling. All right, Jonathan. Good to have you here. Hello. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a, a little bit of an intro to read before we, uh, we get kicked up, kicking off here. That way people know who you are. Um, and I wrote here in this episode of Bike Pack Adventures podcast, I have the chance to connect with Jonathan B. Roy <laughs> in person at Rakabisik in Gatineau, Quebec. In 2015, Jonathan left on a one-year tour with the intention of cycling from England to Vietnam, doing what so many of us only wish we could do, going on an extended bike tour where we'd learn about different cultures through the food, people, and places we visit. Jonathan did this and more, cycling 40,000 kilometers across four, 40 countries and four years. Jonathan, welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So I'm glad we're done and have a good day. No, uh, tell <laughs> us about yourself. Um, yeah, like, give us a little bit of background. I, I was never uh, an athlete. I, I'm, I'm still not an athlete. I'm uh, super, uh, I'm, even now I cycle with people and I'm in the 10% last even when I today uh, and and now they uh, they assume that I would be quick. Forty countries. Not. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> um, extremely slow, like fifteen kilometers an hour. It, it's I think it started uh, at end of the nineties. We were uh, doing little trips with my dad and my mm -hmm. brother, and it was the first year, second year of Strand uh, du Nord and uh, around uh, Lac Saint Jean. We would do this in three days, four days. 
with huge panniers just at the back. And then later, I, I always liked cycling, but uh, I started to work in uh, in a bike shop, then started mountain biking, then just going in a city or point A to point B. But my real first bike trip was that around the world bike trip. So I okay. didn't know if it would be, it would last more than two weeks actually. Okay, and I'm gonna go down a limb here, but you're from Quebec. I'm from Ontario. Okay, he's from Ontario. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually yeah. from Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I, uh, for a long time, I, I thought I would not need to learn English. Actually, ah. I think my English, uh, I learned it's very good. more. Than, it's, well, I would say, I think now I think it's really good. I, I know I have an accent, but when you travel, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but when you travel, you realize that everyone in the world has an accent so it doesn't matter yeah. well my if, accent in french is so bad when i go to france they're like oh it's your quebecois when i come to canada they're like where are you from so they they uh, actually around the world they think they never know i'm french because mm. it doesn't sound like like french france uh they they would say uh, are you from south america or uh, even like some people would say i'm uh, from israel or even mm-hmm. once I paid a local price in Azerbaijan. <laughs> that never happens. Yeah. So uh, where did you grow so up that, That's my background. I paid local price in Azerbaijan. It's in Lorgnal, Eastern Ontario. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My parents live in uh, Alfred, so like literally down the road. Maybe I know them. You went, they just moved there. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Lorgnal and... Uh, in uh, high school in Quebec, but it, it's it's almost the same distance because yeah. it's so close. And then uh, university in Ottawa, and then university in Montreal, and then uh-huh. back in Larnial, and then uh, around the world. Okay, and so bike touring. You said you grew up kind of adventurous family, right? You guys are doing no, PC no, no it's not adventurous. If you do three days, and it's it was like once in a year thing. Some people, uh, and and I again, even in my family, I'm the least athletic. So I, I, my brother and I would be pretty much the same, same level, but he's four years younger. So that's not so good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, really my, my main engine, I guess, or fuel, it's my curiosity. And I started to travel fairly late. I think it, I was 24 finished uh, law school and or actually bar school and not bar like uh, Tom Cruise and uh, cruising bar way more yeah. fun probably <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and be, uh, in between the um, the internship and uh, the school or vice versa you have one month that you cannot do anything cannot work before you know that you uh, you have the you pass the exam so one friend said do you want to travel in that time and i said yes and it was basically the first time i would travel with my backpack mm-hmm. and then it continued and more and more i wanted to go deeper and meet every once in a once per year i would travel but i wanted to meet the real people like not that they have nothing mm-hmm. to sell and i thought then the, the bicycle would be the right way to do it. But I, ah. I didn't know anybody who did so that So what year before. was this roughly? Uh, so I was traveling between 2013, 2014. Uh, and I decided in 2015 to leave. I actually left in 2016, but I prepared it for one year because I didn't know anything okay. about equipment, itinerary, visa. And like you said, I thought, I said to everyone, I think it will be one year. And I left from England 
just because I knew some people You're there. getting way ahead of my questions, but go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> stop me. Go. We can go uh, somewhere else. Um, I think it's more interesting than the Trendsnar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> no, no, is pretty epic. Uh, yeah, well, well, you did it by a fat bike. It's yeah. more interesting. But so I, I left from there because I thought since it's my first trip, they have cycling paths. They have kind of a well, English, English and French similar language. Mm -hmm. They have regular grocery stores. I, I would not have been able to leave from the other way around, like leave from China, for mm -hmm. example. And then week by week, month by month, it became harder, but I became better at it. So it was always the same level. Cool. Let me go to the questions at the end of my <laughs> interview. Uh, <laughs> so let's jump back way back. Okay. Um, when you decided to have to do this tour, it was around 2014 where you started to plan it and you thought, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. To think about it. Yeah. Okay. But, but so actually, so no bike, no gear, no what was your okay, process so, for anybody who's like maybe thinking of doing a big tour and thinking, man, how do I, how do I approach all this? Yeah. Okay. So basically for me, there was three things. The, the first one I talked about, it was to meet ordinary people, mm -hmm. uh, around the world, not just here. And, uh, the second thing was to take my time. Like, I think you could travel by bike for a, a one weekend and have that feeling, but to really accept every invitation and uh, change your itinerary on the go, then you need at least a month. But then if mm -hmm. you take a year, now you really have the time. And the third thing is in back in 2012, my mom uh, had cancer and she died and she had a dream of visiting Italy, which is not so difficult to do, but like so many people, she, she would just push it back every year for the mm -hmm. reasons, more concrete things. And uh, in the end, she never had the time to do it. So for me, I had this in the back of my mind, but it was like the push the maybe that I needed to, uh, to say, well, I'm going to do it now and not wait once I'm retired and mm -hmm. 30, 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Itinerary or equipment? Let's do it. Let's talk yeah. about it. So I planned for one year, and some people are planning more than that. I'm a, I'm a big planner. I like when I I knew exactly like oh, I need this de this derailleur and this thing, and oh, yeah. need, everything needs to be perfect. But what I'm saying now actually is that you can do it with anything. And where I saw that the most. Uh, Maybe we can s situate or locate it on the mm -hmm. map. But I did England to Malaysia. I stopped in Malaysia. Then I continued. I, I wrote my first book there. Then I continued to Tokyo through China, Korea. Mm -hmm. And then I did uh, two years in South America. Yeah. And in South America, starting from uh, Ushuaia in the South. And in South America, I met south americans of course but traveling by bike who had nothing like they they didn't have any panniers they just had kind of a, a petrol can uh, rigged to their bicycle and yeah, they, yeah. They, they look at my bike which at the time i thought oh man my bike is so old it, it, lo it doesn't look good anymore it's so technology is is bad yeah, and yeah. everything is faded and they looked at it and they're like man you must be a millionaire in your country to have this equipment so everything is relative and they were doing the exact same kilometers or mileage as i was doing mm -hmm. probably even more so i planned for one year 
but really i could have just planned for two weeks really we're planning for our our own sake more than because it's actually necessary so as a millionaire bike tour what kind of bike did you buy i uh it, it changed so much in the last year uh, like some podcasts even rebranded themselves from tour to, to bike that. pack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I plan for, uh, to be on the bike tour podcast. And, and then I thought, oh man, I, I need panniers and I need a Surly because that's, yeah, yeah. that's what you need. And, uh, I had a Surly Destrucker 26, mm-hmm inch wheel uh, indestructible bomb yeah 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 schwalbe yeah. a marathon like uh f- only five kilos per uh per tire, per tire. <laughs> <laughs> biggest um tube that you can get like everything was so heavy and people and and, and everything you read is oh but it, what if your tire breaks in uzbekistan like you need to change it and i've been to uzbekistan like there yeah, they have 26 inch tires, but you don't want to use that on your bike because mm. you're going to go 20 more kilometers and again, it will break. Especially if you have a heavy bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, with everything, it's like 50 kilos. And I had, uh, uh, not at the beginning, but a year later, I had a drone. I, all the way, I had a tripod, a camera, three lenses, uh, like th- something like two or three microphones, uh, a, a, a small uh, action, mm-hmm. kind of a GoPro, then the camera. A, laptop i had so much gear for electronic but for me it was important Mm. so how much time in a day would you spend stop on the side of the road doing pictures and video like how do you balance that since we're kind of everywhere i'll just ask you random questions (laughs) whenever i feel like it um my uh my longest day was 165 kilometers which is not that much uh, compared to uh, a lot of your guests but for me it was the longest and my shortest was something like uh, 800 meters so it would it would depend a lot of picture stops well yeah because i want stories i don't want Mm. more kilometers or more countries i want to meet people that was the goal from day one and sometimes i would be too tired to speak with people and i uh I had to remind myself, no, the reason why you're doing it is not to get to the next capital, mm-hmm. it's, to, it's to have enough stories at some point to write a book. It was not at the beginning, it was not in my mind, but at some point uh, it was the goal. Um, so how, how, how much time? Like, I would spend 30 minutes to two hours per day just writing notes. Okay. And then... Every article I would write on the blog would be about three hours on top of that. And I would write maybe three articles per week. And then that's not including the just transferring the the photos and choosing which ones to keep. Mm -hmm. It's like half and half, I'd say. That from half the work is pedaling and and the other half is uh, notes and talking and trying to fight stories. Yeah. Tell me a story. Do you want you want one story? I, I can I can tell you the story of that eight hundred meters day. It was it. yeah, it was so it was in Argentina. Um it was really, really hard at the time. I um one day that children threw rocks at my tent and it made a hole and my mattress was broken and I was it was super dry. I was uh, having problems to breathe, and I would just continue no 
side of the road like i was basically on a highway but mm -hmm. literally on a highway and then one day i did uh, maybe two blocks i was at the center on uh, the big center of the city and a guy arrived he was with one of his sons i later i i learned that uh, well he tells me he has seven children and he's a pastor for a protestant church in town which is called Rio Cuarto in, uh, in Argentina. Mm -hmm. And so he said, do you want to come to my home? And I, oh my God, sorry, I have 800 meters done so far. I, I cannot. And then I leave. And 100 meter later, I, I turn around and I see him again. And I say, oh, I changed my mind because I thought nobody's waiting for me anywhere else. So I might mm -hmm. as well go. So I've, everybody is at home because it's the week, the week off for uh, vacations, uh, holidays. And then I, I meet everybody. We have a, a, a dinner, there or a lunch. And then we go to the a radio station because he says, I'm, uh, I'm the owner of a, a radio. It's called um, Radio Gospel, which is like an extension of his pastor work. Uh, and I thought it was just to visit. And on the way, I, I talk and I'm like, why is Rio Cuarto? And I say the joke, is it, do, do you have Rio Tercero and Rio Quinto? Because it means fourth river. And then you have like third river and mm. fifth river around. And he says, yeah, but they're, they're not as good. Like they're tiny and really the nicest city is this one. So we arrived to the radio and then the, the end, uh, host, they tried to, uh, to ask me some questions. And then uh, now I'm in the studio and I ask, Oh, I'm sorry. My, my Spanish is not that great at, at the moment. It was not uh, so, so, so long in yeah. Argentina. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. We understand everything. So now I do an interview on the radio and they ask me for like 20 minutes live. So what do you like about Rio Cuarto, which I've known for two hours. <laughs> and so I, I tell them. Oh, I mean, you have everything here. You have a river, which, yeah, it's in the name. Uh, you have trees. I, and I'm, I'm just naming what I've seen. Whatever nouns you know. <laughs> no, no, but what, what I've seen in the two kilometers that we walked from his home to the radio station. So you have that bridge, which is like, I mean, I've seen bridges, but this one is just great. And I'm, and I'm trying to, to direct the conversation and, like I, I'm right doing right now. Fantastic job, by the way. <laughs> because I, I, I might, uh, I might not understand their questions. So I'm just trying to know, talk with the words that I know. And I'm saying, I, and for sure, like Rio Cuarto is better than those shitty guys in the Rio Tercero. And then the hosts are, are laughing and they're like, oh yeah, I'm in Rio Tercero. They're so shit. And, and so it was a good interview. That was, and, that day was that was your only way to redeem you like forget those Rio Cinco and, yeah 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 but that yeah. day I saw 800 800 uh, meters it was way better than my 165 later on or before actually in, in China where I didn't speak to anyone didn't take any photos mm -hmm. didn't have uh, any good story to tell I think you're you, you kind of have to you have to pick what you want you know are you going to go up for just the human connections at no set pace or if you're out to make distance, then yeah. you're sacrificing that. You know, that's it's just the way it is. Yeah. I 
I cycle with other guys, not so much, but one German, one Italian uh, in South America, and they told me, thank you, because you're so slow. And uh, I said, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, but because they told me before, they, they would travel uh, on their own, and then we met by coincidence, and uh, and together I was forcing them to be slower, because I I said yeah I take photos and uh, I I just I'm not as fit as you guys so it, they would slow down and they said we experienced a, a different a different way of traveling mm. like we would m talk more because you go talk to people and then when you're not in a rush people come and talk to you also mm -hmm. so you, we receive more invitations we eat more stuff we take better photos. What has been the most inviting country, like where people just uh, more often than not are inviting you in? Uh, the more the country is Christian, uh, sorry, but the, the less inv inv invitations you get. And okay. then reverse, um, w the more it's uh, Muslim, but... I, so I, I have uh, many in mind, but the Muslim, like uh, Central Asia, for example, so like Tajikistan, but yeah. also Turkey, Azerbaijan. Great, yeah. yeah, I've never been to Iran, but mm -hmm. I, I've heard the same thing there. But they have that, the, the culture and the religion is like together and they think the trick when you uh, you want to stop somewhere is not to hide. If there's nobody, then, then you can hide for a while camping. But if I see someone, I'll go and speak to them and say, can I camp there? And then 50% they'll say, yeah, no problem. And then 50% they say, no, come inside. But over that, in Muslim countries, they think that you're, you're like sent from God or from Allah. And they say, you choose me. You're, you're not, you didn't choose you my didn't neighbor. Have to talk to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you could have been <clears throat> the next village or my neighbor or anywhere else. So it's kind of, let me prove through you, let me prove to my God that I'm a good person. So it's, mm -hmm. it's insane the, the way they receive people. Sometimes too, I mean, because my wife is Persian, so they, they have this cultural thing of, they call it tarof. So they offer. Oh, yeah. Even though they know the person will probably say no, they'll offer again two or three times, which is always a bad idea with like North Americans. Like yeah. for first time, you're like, no, they're like, no, seriously, how, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I will have your food. I heard know? that about <laughs> Iran, but I I have not heard that about other countries yeah, like Uzbekistan I think or they, I think it's it's something may, maybe they have it in other countries than mm, in Iran, but specifically in there. But I mean, they were offering me their their daughter for like four or five times, and I kept saying no. So your daughter, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Good, good. <laughs> like 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 four thirteen, fourteen. I don't know what to say old. now. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Um, it was not part of your question. It wasn't one of my questions. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> you know, you said there were some things that surprised you in Europe. Um, what were some of those things? I think I saw like some crazy pictures of canals going over canals and weird ass stop signs and, or steins in general. Like, Well, the, in, the only place in the world that I... Uh, I spent one day without eating was in France. Why? Because everything is closed on Sunday. <laughs> and that's that's good that I started there. It's like old school Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the village, like literally, and I thought, okay, yeah, everything is closed, but surely there's one thing 
open, but nothing is open. And I, I was not carrying so much food, but then I learned like every day I would learn more. It was at the beginning of the trip. And then I, I was in one village and I asked one guy in French, uh, I'm sorry, can I know it's Sunday and everything's closed, but do you know, maybe there's a restaurant or there's a bigger grocery store or something. And he, he replies in English, well, sorry, uh, Sunday's closed. Yeah. I said, yeah, I just said that, but maybe, you know, another place that would not be closed. And he said, what can I tell you? It's, and I'm like, why are you speaking in English? <laughs> and I was speaking French to him. Hey, but still, I don't know. Maybe he thought I was from Ontario, from L'Oreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I didn't even remember the canal thing. That's a, that's a cool. Th yeah. Thank you for that. It was an it's, interesting it's a picture. I actually over looked a, at it for yeah. a while. I was like, what the? I, I did not remember that. But sometimes some people people would read my books or, or my, my blog. They would, they would remind me things. Mm. It's it's a big problem in someone's life to remember everything, everything that, uh, <laughs> that I've seen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I slept in, uh, in Austria. Mm -hmm. in, uh, I'm not sure if it's a kid's shack and it's not a shack how it's like up tree in house. a tree house yeah mm -hmm. i i'm not sure if it's a tree house for kids or for hunters but i uh it, it was big and comfortable because people were not welcoming no the so the reverse question of the one mm -hmm. you said before the uh the least welcoming countries are uh, i think the the ones with the uh german Germanophone, uh, the one word Germanic, Germanic, yeah, yeah, Languages. yeah, but but yes, exactly, or immigration because mm. some places in Chile they had immigration from Germany, and you can feel a bit the same. Mm. I like they're more uh cold, yeah, and they don't want to be in your, I think it's part that you, they don't want to be in, in your bubble, they respect that. And I, I've seen that also a bit in Japan. Like it's not not welcoming, but it's not uh, it's not like Brazil. I think Japan a large a large part of it is the fear of sounding wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also that so, for sure. Yeah. So the, in because my perfection is there, been like this, perfection yeah. is is number one value. Yeah. And then they would not accept my level of English there. They they wouldn't accept their own level of English. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, what about the east-west divide with Europe? Like, how did you feel? You know, like you said, starting in England made sense because it's easy, it's yes. comfortable. It it kind of fits, ticks all those boxes of what you might want at the start of a tour, especially if it's your first big world tour. But then you're slowly making your way east and you're getting towards places like Bulgaria and Croatia and all these. Yeah, you named the the, the one country I saw the difference. Mm. So I, I, after Austria, I went to Slovenia. Slovenia is still Western Europe. Okay. And then after that, I went to Croatia. But then the northeast of Croatia, which is not the coast that mm -hmm. all the tourists go. And there, uh, I wrote an article saying like, uh, it's it's still Europe, but it f doesn't feel like Europe. Like you're you're starting to go back in time. Uh, I was in a bus stop and a, a child, he was like 12 years old and he was just sniffing petrol gas. And it's like, okay, I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm in Switzerland anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a sh kind of short. And then I crossed Bosnia, Herzegovina. Herzegovina. And then 
right at the t- I didn't know anything apart from okay there was a war there and then you know with the ex-Yugoslavia thing but it, it's the most complicated country ever because that was explained that they have it's a federation of two countries mm-hmm. one is the federation of bosnia herzegovina yep. which is also the name of the country okay and then the other one is the republika serbska yeah the serbians yeah yeah and and that's the serbian part but now the country and it was a constitution that was done super quickly to end the war in the 90s the in the country they have the alternate between three prime minister or president i'm not sure but they one is croatian or croatian culturally sure, Croat, yeah. and, and uh, the other one is bosniak so okay. Bos- or and I, i think you can say that in english bosnian is the country and bosniak Maybe is bosniak, cult- yeah. culturally <laughs> and then the other one is serbian right and they alternate eight months to eight months and so i ask oh, one every eight months yeah like, yeah yeah well, they're all there at the same time And they change role every three months, every eight months. Yeah, at least Malaysia, it's like 13 kings, but it's every five years. Yeah, you know, exactly. And Malaysia, they all live together and they don't kings, shoot. But even today, like I was in Republika Serbska in the mm-hmm. north, and I say, oh, how, na, 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 are you living, blah, blah, whatever, in, in Bosnia? And they said, oh, we're not in Bosnia, man. We're in uh, Republika Serbska. Uh, oh, okay, because I... I Sorry, guys, I just passed the border, so I'm pretty sure I'm in Bosnia, but then I learned that yeah. it's it's such a... The, his, the, the history is, is still really, really vivid there. And probably if you go to one of their soccer games or football games, that's like police down the aisles, separating everybody, I assume. I, I, I don't know, I mean, probably. I mean, there's still um, bullet holes in in the city I've in heard. Sarajevo and uh, and a guy another uh, I don't know if he was a pastor kind of priest but uh, he was Serbian and he told me oh, I, I still hate everybody else that is not uh, I still hate the Bosniak you know it was their fault yeah. I'm like I'm pretty sure it was not their fault like you literally you circled the city and you shot on them for four years so I, I don't think it was their fault but <laughs> I don't know. After it was... Uh, Welcome to politics, politics with Backpack <laughs> Adventures. <laughs> But, well, the, the, when you cycle yeah, super slowly... You're involved, yeah. And, and I think that the second... So I wrote two books on, on this trip. And the first one, it, I think it's more anecdotes, like people would tell me things. And, this, and also I had uh, 27 countries in the first book. And the second one, I have 13 because the countries are larger. Mm. Um, so I can, de- I can dig deeper and... Not really politics because I want the the books to to grow old. They still be, still be relevant, mm-hmm. but I can go and in more into history and culture. Mm. But those would be the th- the kind of things that I explain in, yeah, in yeah. the books. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And you said Bulgaria. I think Bulgaria was in that list too. Of like, well, Bul- Bulgaria felt- is a bit funny because they uh, they say uh, the the sign to say yes and no are reversed, mm-hmm. yeah. and. Um, And everyone looks like a wrestler, like no necks. But they, uh, they actually, they, uh, they're sometimes in Japan they will go to Bulgaria to uh, recruit Bul- Bulgarian wrestlers, and they say if you learn a few words in Japanese, you can become a massive star there uh, for right. sumo wrestling. Yeah. Apart from that, like I mean, Bulgaria was uh, was nice. Uh, Plovdiv, super old city. I think it's the oldest city in 
continuously inhabited. Really? Yeah. It's something like 4,000 years old, still the same place. Wow. Okay. Dogs? Any issues? Because uh, I think, like, to me, I think when I hear of bike touring, it's always like Bulgaria, maybe? I've heard dogs Romania. Albania, Bulgaria, yeah. it's like where it really starts to become a problem. I Not so much. I heard Romania, Romania. but I've never been. But really... At the beginning, I was cycling uh, really quick, and and I would accelerate and go faster. But then I uh, I learned that if you have a rock in your uh, handlebar bag and you throw it just in front of the dog, then it will stop. And then one day I didn't even have a rock, and I just did the the trick of moving my uh, my arm, and it still stopped. Oh. So I, that's what I do. I I don't even just change my pace. Yeah, yeah, and. Normally, if they shout, if they bark a lot, it's they're used to being uh, thrown mm-hmm. rocks at, and then so they know that gesture. It means stop. What I find funny or interesting is that the dogs, the stray dogs, or even all the dogs, they reflect the the nation's attitude, and I've seen it really between Chile. And Argentina, where Chile, I told you, they're more reserved. They're mm-hmm. a bit more uh, cold in general. And the dogs, the stray dogs, they are so fat and they're so nice. They they come on your lap and uh, you, you have no choice but to give them a little bit of food. And they even have in their constitution, uh, one of their law, actually, it's they have like a personal dog stray dog and then in the middle you have something like a community dog okay. in chile yeah and and this dog it's <clears throat> part it's like there's no one owner but it's part of the village um so it's owned by everyone at the same time they have that a lot and in argentina you know so you cross mm-hmm. the border and then they bark all night uh, you cannot sleep every village the whole night completely different how did you like Chile? Um, did you go to the capital? It was cold. Yeah. It was uh, Chile. Chile. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I meant the food, but okay. Yeah, yeah, uh. yeah. No, no, no. I, I, uh, what, I, I didn't go in the northern part, so I cycled from the south and from Ushuaia and then uh, all the, the bit with the glaciers. Uh, most beautiful landscape in the Isn't world or, or easily, easily top three. I like the mountains, but there... You got the mountains, fjords, glaciers. Every single day you can have a, a, a bath in, in the river coming down from the glacier. It's super cold. Mm-hmm. It's colder in the summer than in the winter. Because the temperature difference maybe? No, because it's uh, in the winter it's like a regular stream. And in the summer it's just ice mm. melting from the glaciers. So it's actually colder in the summer. Um, but it's worth it because you feel refreshed and uh, nobody lives there the carretera austral yeah. amazing roads at 1200 kilometers or something half of it is still not paved and uh, it's the third or fourth l- least dense uh, area in the world with okay. Svalbard, greenland and falklands island mm. so uh yeah i have a student from chile and i said oh chile must be amazing she goes it's a terrible place. And yeah. I said, really? She's like, it's so dangerous. And I said, 
but <laughs> she was talking about the capital where yeah. she grew up and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Probably it's dangerous if you're local. I don't think it's dangerous time, but anymore, but it's really, it's, it's, she just left this year. So, well, I, I, I guess it depends from which part, yeah. I went, but it used to be way more yeah. dangerous. So I stayed five weeks, uh, with a couple of f- couple friends they're a couple okay <laughs> and uh, i met them in vietnam two years earlier um and they told me i hey, if you come to uh if you cycle to chile one day like you're welcome so two years later i wrote to them hey guys uh, we haven't spoken two years i'm now in chile uh and then i'm st- uh, can i still visit you and they say yeah 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 so i i spent five weeks in their apartment oh, wow. but then it, it was like organic okay mm-hmm. every day i'd be like oh, i need to go and you're like nah you have you have your own bathroom you have your own bedroom you're and they have this culture of like do your own thing they don't need to take care of me so it was it was all fine but then after three weeks i see a photo of the guy who's called uh, francisco and then a photo of him in uh, shirtless and he has a major scar across his chest and i said what's that man and and then he lifts his shirt and he said you mean this oh yeah i was um I, I I got a knife. Uh, how do you say that? Uh, stabbed. Yeah, I, I I got stabbed in the heart when I was sixteen years old. So that's what I mean when I say uh, <laughs> it, it used to be more dangerous than that. But it was a I, I don't know coincidence or like bad luck because it, it it's a guy who was looking for. He was in a park cycling to go to his grandmother's birthday, and he uh, the guy wanted drugs or was under the influence Mm -hmm. and he said give me your bike and then francisco gave his bike on the spot but then for the the guy like didn't know what was happening so he still stabbed him and then francisco i don't know how he did that but he he managed to uh he was just the blood was coming out of his body but he he went on the street one woman arrived and she was shouting where because since pinochet who was a dictator mm-hmm. in the 70s and, and in the 80s. Everything now is private. So she was shouting, where is your hospital? Because if you go to the wrong hospital, and according to your insurance also, nothing will be covered. So you want to go to the best hospital that is covered under your insurance. And then he said, oh, you know, whatever, uh, this one. Gurgled out a name yeah, of the exactly. hospital. Yeah, exactly. And then he... He just lost consciousness and uh, he I think he he was like that for a few days and uh, when he woke up uh, he said uh, to his dad who he saw his dad next to him and he said uh, something like uh, did I fuck up or oh, he looked at him with tubes everything uh, all over the body and he said oh, I fucked up and and his dad started to cry because just with this sentence he knew that his son could understand the gravity of things so it meant that his brain was still functioning mm, okay yeah yeah that's deep everybody <laughs> go visit chile <laughs> but now it's yeah now i i really liked it yeah? yeah 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 it's it's really nice but i mean it's i'm sure too it's just like this little girl her parents have these memories of bad chili for sure yeah and even in the last few years there was a a lot of manifestation in this in the streets and um in santiago 
because they wanted to have a new constitution and uh, and and change a lot of things it was still the constitution from pinochet time mm. but my friend who i i still talk to a, a lot he said i'm i'm really glad i'm living here through a historic time in for chile so yeah i mean he has a pretty good life but it's true that it's Chile is really but like like a lot of countries in South America and all over the world but it's really unequal. Right. But it's it's still one of the richest on the continent. Yeah. You uh you went to Brazil. I mean I'm, and the reason I bring this up is in case you forgot because you did mention you forget things. Um but a lot of people tend to kind of stick to the west coast of yeah. South America and yeah, yeah, you yeah. made the effort to go over there like what prompted it? What was your route? How did you decide this? And uh, how was it? Um, and Uruguay as well, I guess. And Paraguay. Paraguay. Yeah. I uh, I don't... I think I just wanted to uh, to not do the Ushuaia-Alaska route, which is... And when you say, like, it's common, it's not common, but it is kind of common when you only talk sure. to, <laughs> to long-term cyclists. Um, there's the... I, I think like for for example, if you go north in Argentina, then you go to Uyuni in Bolivia, and that's also quite common even mm -hmm. for backpackers. So I was looking at the map and I thought, oh, might as well go completely east because the goal is not to come back home; it's just to have good stories and mm -hmm. learn about culture. And I think I had I don't know I don't remember at which point I got an invitation from a mountain bike club in Uruguay. Cool. But I mean mountain bike. So they you they're rolled up with your surly and you're like let's do this. Well yeah, I'll tell you that. But the <laughs> but the the largest the highest mountain is not even 300 meters. I think it's like a, Oh okay. It, it, it's it's like the rolling hills of Uruguay, you know. Yeah. It, it but they they ride it's more like gravel bike actually now that we would call that, but they call it the mountain bike. Anyway, I so I was I spent one week with them. After so I crossed from Santiago, uh, I, I came again over the 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 Cordillera, the Andes. So mm -hmm. I, I crossed the, the Andes four times. So that was the fourth time. Came back to Mendoza, crossed to uh, and <laughs> to Rio Cuarto at that <laughs> point, to Buenos Aires, and then uh, Uruguay. Spent one week there, and I didn't cycle with the Surly. They gave me uh, an old hardtail uh, specialized, okay, but with one suspension. But then I started, and after 50 meters, the oil was leaking from the brake at the back, and so I only had one brake at the front. And so I was glad that it was actually not the really steep mm -hmm. in Uruguay because it would have been more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice guys. I spent again one week, and then I I met. There I met the um, the, ma the the mayor of uh, Montevideo, which okay. which is the capital, and he was running to be president. And I'm uh, I have a photo with him. He gave me a kiss, oh, uh, wow. and I was I was sad that he didn't win. It was like two percent, and uh, in the end, it was uh, Lacachepou who uh, who won. I don't know who that is. He 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 became the president of, uh, okay. of Uruguay. But the, he so actually his name is uh, you could write it La La Calle. It means the street. Mm -hmm. But in Uruguay, which leads me to another thing, but they have a big influence from Portuguese their language. Okay. So there, if you have a J 
a double L or a Y, it's pronounced sh and not y, like, oh, like the Spanish that yeah, we yeah. would learn. So every time I would, I would cycle from one country to the other, and you think, oh, okay, it's still Spanish, but they, it's not Spanish. Like it, it's it not changes, yeah, it yeah. changes all the time, and not just at the border, but progressively. Mm. And then uh, I, I also had a friend in Uruguay in another uh, town that I met in, in Vietnam also, and he said, well, when you're in Uruguay, you can visit me. So I, I go there, but he was running to be an MP of some sort. So he used me to uh, to have a lot of interviews on Uruguay television. Oh, interesting. And then at that point, so I, because I had my experience with the gospel radio, I was beginning to be uh, better. Uh, and then we, he said, is it okay? Uh, like a day or two before I arrived in uh, in his city, which called uh, Sarandi del Chi, which, but it's Yi, but it's pronounced yeah. Xi. And then he said, I organized a few interviews. It is okay. I'm not kidding. We had 11 interviews on that day. And then the, all the community television and radio, they were all calling. And he's like, okay, so now if you stay tomorrow, we can have six more. And it was just one after the other. And one we, uh, so I did like the equivalent. Oh, it's, it doesn't even work in English. It's like the deux filles le matin, <laughs> but like, uh, uh, it's it, two Uruguayan women in the morning. Okay. You can imagine the show. I did that. Uh, I, then I cycled with another guy in the village and then I did another community thing. It, it looked really, really like that, but it was on TV. And, um, we did that for 28 minutes straight live on TV. And the guy was just like talking in Uruguayan. So I had to translate in my mind. Okay. All the sh, I have to change it. So my name, when I say my name is Jonathan in Uruguayan. Jonathan? So it, well, yeah, but it's me llamo Jonathan. But then it, it would become me llamo Jonathan. So it's so complicated. You have to change every single word in your head ah. to, to know what, what, what is the question. So again... I don't know Spanish, so I'm going to keep living in ignorance because that's uh, much easier. But you, uh, you don't need to learn another language because like uh, my ex-father-in-law who was British and worked all over Europe told me once, I never needed to learn another language because we won the war. That's a well thought out point, but I do speak three languages. <laughs> so I clearly failed. What's the third one? Is it Russian? Russian? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So you know the Atkuda. Kuda tsi, by Dios. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah, I know like 10 words in Russian. Uh, yeah. That's enough to tell a story. I know Palatka. Okay. Which is a tent. Yeah. Samaliot. Samaliot airplane. Yes. Are we testing? Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually yeah. know Palatka because it's something I've never used. Yeah, in yeah. But that's that's one of the 10 words I knew. I, everything need. I knew was around drinking and bar culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's also uh, very important. V vodka is the same. Yeah. yeah, I loved in Russian. And people won't be, be able to, if you don't see. Yeah, talk to everybody. With but you. if you just flicked your jugular, that meant I need another drink. You oh, didn't yeah. have to say words. It's amazing. Two fingers of the throat, man. I was up to here and I can't drink anymore, and they would just stop serving you. It's so cool. Well, when you when you you do the the juggler, it means I need I want more. More, yeah. And yeah. if you do like that, tap me, right? Like I need it. Okay. Like, yeah. And then if you you choke yourself, yeah, like it means like, oh, I'm done. Up, I'm done. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. There you go. Now In, you know uh, I, have you been to Vietnam? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Huh? yeah. 
have you uh have you drink with the, the people there uh, all together mm. with like their tiny uh, beer shooters yeah yeah and to some degrees i mean i don't know if it was vietnam or some other country but yeah and they because they all, in, in malaysia at the chinese bars they also like the mini glasses yes, and but just, I, yum, I don't sang, think it's sang. like that in, in malaysia no. but in vietnam they every time you cannot drink on your own you have to take your shooter at the same time as everybody else and you drink the whole thing yeah and then so if you're faster then everybody has to go faster because of you and if you're slow then you're slowing everybody down like they look at you like go man because we cannot mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. another one if you don't finish yours okay so yeah malaysia they didn't have that thought process to it yeah. but like i lived in the northeast in kelantan and very very islamic states so the yeah. only place to go drink was the chinese karaoke bars and that was it like the little shot the little glasses of beer that were like three ounces And the waitress girls would just keep filling them up and trying to get you to drink more. Kelantan, is that the one next to Kota Thailand? Baru, Kota Baru, yeah. So I met um, a doctor who was uh, operating on a brain, kind of brain surgery over there in a hospital. But the, the only thing she would do is just drill holes in, uh, in the skull. Okay. all day long every day because people would uh, would just go on their motorcycle without a helmet have an accident and then their they, their head would be full of blood and so oh i saw some wicked bad accidents in malaysia like because i i used to drive 45 minutes to work each way from kotabaru to tanamera which is on the way towards the thai border and over the three years man countless countless times i saw motorbikes on the side of the road ambulances around Quite often, it was just a plastic bag laying on their face because okay. they didn't have a black bag. They just put a grocery bag and like just nasty. Anyways, yeah. What was the town that you were going to? Tanamera. And that you told me that it was a mistake. You, you arrived there with your swimming suit and you, you were singing like, going to work in Tanamera. Tanamera. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And what a surprise. Um, yeah, so you stayed in Malaysia a while, right? Yeah, one year. One year. Yes. You know, I was there at the same time in Kota, in Kuala Lumpur. Really? Yeah. In which like, you were living there? I was living in, um, uh, what, when exactly were you there? 2017, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was living in Cameron, Tower, uh, Cameron Towers in Petaling Jaya, just Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, 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 the white part, huh, is it? Or like Not the, really, the no. Petaling, oh, no, it's kind of south, it's like huh? south of uh, just, downtown? Just literally the border of of Kuala Lumpur was like half a kilometer from yeah. the house. Yeah, I was in... Uh, so you know Bukit Gessing? The, no. That was a big climbing hill people would go to. That's oh, okay. Where I yeah. yeah. I don't even remember the, the, the village. It's called Kampong Baru. I was okay. living there. You were living in Kampong Baru. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And at the, my job... The, uh, the Chinese imprisonment camp during the, the Civil War there. That's why I, ch I chose that yeah, place. Yeah. yeah. Full of memories. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what did you do in Malaysia for a year? <laughs> what did you do in Malaysia for a year? I I was cycling. I, I had been cycling for one year. And I at that point I I thought I would I was more moving than traveling because mm -hmm. I was too mentally uh, tired, but by own, my own fault because I, I was never stopping really. I thought that traveling by bike meant you you can never stop mm. uh, like I did after. So uh, I had that in mind. And then at the same time, I received a, a job offer to work as a, a lawyer for a French firm or French uh, company 
in Kuala Lumpur, but with offices in Bangkok and Singapore. French France? Yeah. 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 They speak to you in English all the time. It was in English, <laughs> but also like, uh, it was like 80% in okay. English contracts for, um, for employees there in Southeast mm. Asia. And, uh, And, and I, the guy, it was weird. The guy was following my blog and, uh, he wrote to me like, do you want a job there? And, uh, and I've, I had never been in Malaysia before. And then we talked, I was still in Laos and then we talked and I say, okay, so now I, now I know what the job is. Do you, so I, I should convince you that I, uh, I, I'm the right one for it. And he said, no, no, do you want it? Like I need, I need you. I'm like oh yeah okay um and then i looked at the the map and i said i can <laughs> how many kilometers i said i can be there in two months and he said yeah fine awesome and then i continued by bike i arrived there i got the work visa when i yeah. arrived found the uh, the apartment and we we said earlier I, i think we talked about malaysia but it's fascinating country i think it's the most interesting country to live in in southeast asia i lived there seven years so it's crazy yeah time flies uh, and i was wrong kampung baru is no i was thinking kampung china that was where oh okay the, yeah no kampung baru is really really malay actually yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the it, it's the the only place i guess it's still like that but it's without super high rises mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. uh, in the in the town the the city No, it's not expensive. Three times cheaper than Singapore, but you can have a pretty good life there. Yeah, I would say like I always compared Malaysia to Canada in the sense that um, three ringgits there was one dollar, right? Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. But whatever you buy here for a dollar would cost you one ringgit there, so you're costing a third, a third the cost of living to what Canada was. And yeah, that pretty makes close sense. to what Singapore yeah. was too. Yeah. Uh, my my apartment was fantastic. I had two parking lots for me or parking spaces Spots, yeah, yeah. Uh, i only had my surly mm -hmm. <laughs> and, I and you didn't leave it outside anyway so yeah yeah well, i was i was leaving it there because I, we were possibly did you oh, cycle yeah, you were, were you cycling in, uh, in in kuala lumpur a lot yeah but mostly road biking okay um, i had good road groups there yeah they, were you looking at other cyclists and be like we're in the same team like we're we're risking our lives Because nobody's cycling there. Oh, you know, but I would, I, I didn't cycle day to day, okay. you know, like I cycled on weekends with the groups and I would throw my bike in the car to go to the start point because, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you got to know where it's safe to ride. But the highways, you could ride on the expressway in Malaysia. I know. And they're super clean. They're super paved well. There's yeah. no potholes. Po the, the police would, uh, mm. so when I arrived and then after that, a year later when I left, police would just follow me on the highway and be like, yeah, man, good job. And then as soon as I entered Singapore, I did 200 meters and then the police were like, Meow, you, you cannot be on the highway. I'm like, uh, right. I've been on the highways everywhere because it's when you have no other options. Yeah. It's Actually, Malaysia, or, I always say Malaysia is a great place to ride on the highway. Yeah. I mean, if you're not looking to engage in culture and see people in towns, but the shoulders, I mean, aside for sometimes like glass spill from accidents yes. that doesn't get swept up blood from the roads are quite good they're easy they're and yeah it's good fun good country <clears throat> malaysia mm -hmm. so you're there a year and then you took a uh, cargo ship or something yeah so that i wrote my first book there okay. when i when i stopped in malaysia i I said on my uh, social media accounts, I, I will stop. And then I received some offers in, from publishing uh, 
publishers in Canada saying, if you want to write a book, we'll publish it. We'd all say, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote that there. And when writing the first book, uh, I was uh, I was sad because I thought this trip looks amazing. And then I remembered, oh, it's mine. I already did it going from England to Malaysia. And that's that's the maximum I'll go in my life. That's the highlight. Mm-hmm. And then I thought at the same time, oh, if it's if I did the first half or one half of the world, then I could do the other half. And I so I convinced myself to uh, to get back on the wow. saddle. And then I'd in like you said, cycle to Singapore, and then you're in the end of the the peninsula. So I didn't want to take a plane because everybody knows when you take a plane, you're a cheater. Yeah, for uh, sure, for sure. Yeah. So the other option was to take a, a cargo ship, and or swim. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But cargo ship, super interesting. It's uh, it's extremely expensive. It's not. I, I was going to say it's not worth it. It is worth it, but to, for the experience, because mm-hmm. taking a cruise ship is way cheaper than a cargo. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, but then I, uh, I I took that between. Singapore and Taiwan and we were only two tourists which is like a lot normally it's more like zero uh, my own cabin and I could speak to the cooks really interesting also how they don't mix the the, the people from different countries so on my ship my ship it's mine it, they were from half from ukraine and half from uh, romania okay and all the officers on that ship were from ukraine and all, basically all the same city and the other guys uh, working the deck they were all from romania and also it, it's really uh, often that people would work on ship from the Philippines or India, but they don't mix those guys with the Eastern European because then it's too complicated for the cook to, to have to mix the oh, different okay. spices. Yeah, yeah. Like it would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody would be miserable, right? Yeah, well, they would be happy for a week and after, and when you're, you have a contract for six months, you'd be mm. like, uh, look, I love Indian food, but after four months, I it's, I needed something else, and then it yeah, would be yeah, the yeah. vice versa thing. Like I love potatoes, mm-hmm. but uh, interesting. Do we want to uh, open up for questions in yeah, case sure. everybody has questions yeah, yeah, yeah. that are kind of in their mind before they have to sit on them forever? If anybody has questions, that I can turn that microphone on and uh, sure. So. You've been to a lot of countries and cycled in a lot of countries. You were talking about uh, safety on the roads. Which countries do you think are the safest to cycle and where the cars respect cyclists? And which countries do you think are less safe for cyclists and people are more frustrated uh, when they see you on the road? I um, I, uh, I never met anyone who had his things stolen. And I think it's a big concern. Like, oh, yeah, I have to lock everything all the time and, and bring everything. At the beginning in Europe, I was bringing everything inside all the time. And actually, I know one guy. So I don't, I never met him personally, but I know one guy who got, uh, he was a Korean and he was cycling Asia, Europe, and he got, he put his bike on a grocery store and when he went outside, everything was gone and it was in Laval. 
So uh, I think the answer to that is Canada. Uh, is uh, Canada is the most dangerous country to well, travel. I was, asking, <laughs> I was asking more about like yeah 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 on, on Ca- the road you know yeah um, I think our it's it's never in a in a rural place it can be dangerous but then you have always kind of different other options i i remember argentina was difficult because it's a big country and there's no shoulder and so if you're either on the highway without a shoulder and it's super dry so the vegetation is aggressive so if you go on the shoulder with the shoulder which is not a actual one then you will have a a flat in two seconds really like so unpaved shoulder yeah like yeah 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 exactly but it's like it's not cacti you can say cacti, cacti. yeah it's like everything is thorns point, yes yeah, thorns. but super hard so it goes mm. really deep into the tire i had countless flats there so it is dangerous because you're you're on the side with massive massive trucks because it's such a large country but the most dangerous is always about 20 kilometers from a city inside a city not that dangerous because it's slower rural if you don't like it on the highway you can go on agricultural roads it's okay if it's not raining but then 20 kilometers from a city then you might not have a shoulder, not a sidewalk, but still really big trucks and fast. So my more, most dangerous place was just before uh, San Paulo, largest city in the Southern hemisphere. And uh, it, it, a lot of mountains around also. So you have only one option to go in. And I had to stop in bus stops because it, I was too stressed out and they were, there's just not one other option so I, I just needed to continue and then i remember one bus was going right in front of me stopping so i was going around but then another bus was coming uh and then weirdly rio the next city probably one of the easiest one uh, i don't know why but they have a, a super nice cycling path next to the the beach that you can uh, probably cycle for 40 kilometers coming in there's just one place that it drops into the the sea and it's kind of blocked but then two guys said yeah yeah it's okay you just go under under it and then you you, you push the um, the fence and then you can cross a tunnel and then you go on the side that the road is not down into the sea and you're okay and then you cross a favela and then you're even in rio and it was easy as that it it was yeah (laughs) 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 yeah i feel your sarcasm but it 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 was not dangerous like i i didn't know where to go but i felt I, I, there was no traffic and the most dangerous is always traffic Tokyo super 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 big city like 40 million people yeah. but it's you, yeah you, you live there also you've uh, been there no I have a kid in Japan I didn't live there though you have a kid in Japan I have a 10 year old yeah in Osaka. That sounds most more interesting. So long, but, sorry. Okay, for uh, for beer. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, but but it's super easy to come in yeah. because it there Tokyo is like all villages, different villages. Mm-hmm. So when you come in, you, you you have multiple options. It's like a big 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 maze, but it's it's all right. Mm-hmm. And the new, I think the newer cities are harder. Buenos Aires was also difficult. I think the South American cities are are harder. Yeah, and I heard something. I know you didn't make, you didn't go to Mexico City, right? I know no. somebody was telling me like 
to skip Mexico City. You start oh, about yeah. 100 kilometers outside the center and you start to circle, you know? Okay, yeah. Because it's so big. Istanbul is difficult also to yeah, come Yeah, because... Well, um, because uh, of the water too, right? You yes. Kind of- Again, so San Paulo is because of the mountains and in Istanbul is because you have only a few options to have to cross a bridge and again massive city you have to enter by that bridge and it's so that's that's actually a good thing but the traffic is so slow that it's not moving so you go around the traffic and like the eight lanes and people can buy bottles of water on the highway. Iran's like that too. Yeah. When they have traffic oh, yeah. jams, kids come out and start selling stuff, selling socks and whatever. Yeah. Useful things like uh, socks. Usually whatever they can get to sell, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The shoes. So yeah, crossing Istanbul. Did you guys ride? You were with your brother, right? Uh, yeah. 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 We, we rode from uh, Sofia and Bulgaria to Istanbul together. And that was guys, only two or three weeks. Did you guys ride much in Istanbul, or you just kind of gave up after a while? And uh, jumped on public? Well, no, we 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 uh, we cycled to the old city, and then we we walked around. Okay. Um, and then one day after I left, the bomb exploded exactly where I, or like a block from where I was. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Any other questions? I've- Very quickly, I want to know what's your pickup line. Is it just like, hey, can I pitch my tent there? But really, what I would like to know is how you get away from people that are too kind, <laughs> right? Too kind? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there was some times where they would not let you go, right? Like in the morning, you try to pack up and they want to serve you food and things like that. I'm pretty sure you had that. Um, you can- yeah, well, I, uh, I have a, a, a good story on that. <laughs> but the uh, the the first thing is I developed the technique at the beginning. I was always hiding at the uh, in Europe, and at some point I remember vividly one guy stopping in Croatia. Uh, I was leaving the capital or entering the capital. He was by car, and he said, oh, "I I also I'm also a cyclist. Where where are you going? Where do you camp? Or where where do you sleep?" And I say, uh, and that's probably one of my pickup lines, like you said. It's um, oh, I normally camp unless someone really kind invite me to their home, and then I would wink. And then he said, uh, "Oh, but do you want to come to my home?" <laughs> yes, yes, I will. <laughs> so that that's always useful, or it works with a bit of uh, of humor. Um, and the two kind, I was traveling with the, a German, so that's in Tajikistan, and on the beginning of the Pamir uh, Highway. I want to hear is, more about that too. Uh, which is a fantastic road in Central Asia. I'm I met. Uh, it, they were traveling together, the German, which is the same one who, uh, who I traveled with in South America later. So, and, and he was with a, a French guy and they were traveling together and they, they passed me uh, maybe a week before that. And they said, you're the first guy we passed since Switzerland. So I take that as a compliment. It means I take a lot of good photos. Yeah. And, uh, and so we cycled together and then we, we see one guy um outside of his home or it's shack uh, and then we say can we can we stop here and he said yeah of course like god sent you here so i will accept it and we start to talk and we he was living alone so we could go inside because if 
they have uh, women, women yeah. inside. You cannot share the, the same room. So we go inside, we eat potatoes and tea. And he said, my, uh, my sister is uh, single. She lives in another town, but I think she would be uh, really interested in marrying you like me. And I say, why, why not the other two guys? Like, why me? And he said, well, the other guy is from Germany. So I don't want a Nazi and Nazi in the family. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other guy, the French memory, one, yeah. <laughs> the French one, he, uh, last time he shaved was in France, like eight months before. So he had a massive beard and he said, so we're in Tajikistan, Central Asia. And he said, and this guy looks like a Taliban. So obviously don't want to marry into that also. You seemed like the perfect match. And uh, he, he said, I think I had a photo somewhere. And then he, he's trying to find a photo. And then the, I'm like, it's okay. You know, she doesn't, don't, don't, spend too much time on that project um, and the other guys were ecstatic they're like we want to see all <laughs> the photos that you can get like we will judge if he's marrying your sister he, he doesn't have to say but we will check that <laughs> and and he calls the sister and also she wants to speak with you she doesn't even speak english so she speaks tajik or like and i'm like palatka with <laughs> samaliot Velocipede, Karacho, Canada, Karacho, you know, like everything's good from Canada. And, but it's more of a joke. And then it goes like that. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a joke. I mean, we go to sleep. And then the next day, to, uh, to go back on your story, like too kind, he, maybe 6 a.m. the next day, he knocks on my tent. And I open it and he has his big face and he said, so my, uh, did you think about my offer about my sister? Like she, uh, she can come here today if you want. And then the, to the other guys, I said, uh, the French and the German, I said, you guys, normally I'm super slow in the morning, but this morning, you know, I, I'll go, I'll pack now before the, the sister arrived and you, you just, you catch me later. Okay. Um, I'm not going to wait to see if she's coming. <laughs> did, did you ever see a picture? I, yeah, yeah, I saw a photo, but, but I mean, it's irrelevant. I'm okay. not going to live in a shack and on the Pamir <laughs> Highway. Imagine the riding you could do for the rest of your life over there. Yeah. Yeah. And I like at about three kilometers from Afghanistan, yeah. cheap house, great investment. <laughs> <laughs> COVID prices would have gone up. You yeah. Mean. No, you don't care about electricity because anyway, it's, it's never working. <laughs> <laughs> who needs who needs water in the house yeah. when you have a, a river next fair enough, to you? Fair enough. Any other questions? Yeah. Go ahead, Carl. Um, you left alone for uh for that trip. Was it like the plan, or did you try to enroll some people to get to go with you, and then they just say no, 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 you can go, and then it was like a result of all of this to go alone. And did you? I'm pretty sure you met a lot of people, but like, did you end up? sometime feeling lonely on the road no I, i'm not, i'm never lonely because i have such a good personality that when i speak to myself i, I always have something to tell and that's really interesting but not to uh, my own best friend <laughs> <laughs> no but re really the uh the i wanted to to, to go alone i think you meet so much more so so much more people when you're alone because you're uh, 
they think they don't know which language you speak. Uh, it's, it doesn't cost much because you're, if they invite you, it's one person, it's not many people. And, um, if you're really stuck, you can, let's say you're in a place, you're st- your, your bike is broken. It's much more easy to, to go on a pickup truck or whatever, a train, whatever. Uh, but mainly because you meet more people. And I met a lot of people on the way, but I never really cycled with anyone apart from that um, German guy a few times because I think it's more difficult to find a, a traveling buddy than to find, almost than to find... Uh, a wife uh, in yeah. Tajikistan. We, well, yeah, for sure. But even a <laughs> wife uh, here, because you can, if you if you live in a house with another person, you can have your own space, your own time. You can have your own hobbies. When you travel on a bike with someone, you have the same, the, the same, uh, not hobbies, but you want to visit the same thing, ride at the same speed, kind of, leave at the same time, have a same budget. So many things, want to eat, or cook the same mm-hmm. things or try different things the same way and, and talk to people. I like to take photos. If someone is in the mood of just travel, like go, go, go. I don't want to take photos. I don't want to talk to people. It's, it doesn't work. Um, at few different places around the world, my, my, so my, we said my brother joined me for a few weeks, uh, my dad, uh, a friend twice also. And then at some point, my, my girlfriend, which uh, I, I met, in my last year of the trip, she also joined me for a week, a month and a half. But in every instance, it was always, they would join my trip, except from that German, which I travel more with. But if someone would join me from Canada, they would join my pace and, and my itinerary. So... I would still have to adapt a bit, but they would have to adapt much more. Like it's it's like I'm going to your job and then the first week I have to learn everything because mm-hmm. it's they always think it will be hard physically, so they would train. And then after three days, they're exhausted mentally. Like everything is difficult. Uh, I remember my girlfriend asked me, where are we going to sleep tonight? I said, I don't know. And she she didn't like that answer, mm. or but she got used to it. But then it's it's part of the trip. Like it's yeah. not. She was training. She was doing spinning, so she was okay. But then we're on the side of the highway. She has no idea where we're going. And and her or my brother or my dad, you have to trust the person that you're going to meet on the other side of the world. Like yeah, we're actually going somewhere, but we, yeah. nobody knows where. It's hard to. I mean, I've traveled a lot, so it's hard to fathom how difficult it is because oh yeah you know the more you do it the easier it gets so when you know i often forget that fact that it's it's not easy there's a lot to it and uh yeah it's 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 just it's having so a haircut seen people stress about things like that you know and yeah. i'm like oh yeah that is worth stressing about you know because but the, the, the daily life everything you take for granted at home like i was i said having a haircut i have so many stories of just weird haircuts around the world uh haircut in a foreign language is the hardest it, thing well, you'll ever even do. with a photo i have i have photos of what i want but then they look at me and i don't have chinese hair 
or like what I, I I don't have like a Turkish beard if that means anything like they they have kind of a style or um, a texture to their their hair that is different a certain technique that they might do yeah, yeah yeah well yeah in Turkey he did my beard and inside my my ears with uh, like an actual real flame so it was not a, a razor it was just burning my my hair on my face which is weird uh, I recently saw a video of a guy in India again that and I was like whoa that is Wild. Yeah, but I you have to yeah. trust the guy or the the yeah. girl because you don't know. I, I show my photo and after that I have no input or no I have no clue what's happening. And what my when my dad when he joined me in Vietnam, I said, "Oh my my hair so so long I'm going to go." Uh she didn't have a mirror. I so I showed my photo on my phone. I said I want this. Why well, I I didn't say anything. I'm just I want this. And I, okay, okay, and she starts. I don't know what's happening because she doesn't have a mirror. And then I start to feel the the wind on the side of my head. So I I was like stop. And I I look at myself with my phone, and it's basically uh, nothing like my photo. It's just skin because that's that's the how that's they. That's what she's used to. Yeah, exactly. And I, I again I show the photo. My, I, I cannot say anything, but my face is like, why? Well, it's not the same. And then she said, Solly. And, and then a face like, what do I do now? Well, you do the other side the same now. And I mean, <laughs> and then so I'm basically half, half skin, half super long. Half Vietnamese. <laughs> like, yeah, I like super Vietnamese uh, haircut. I come back to the hotel and my dad is like, what happened? And I said, well, it's... A haircut like it will grow back like okay, sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad you never know so i was gonna ask you about communication when you're going into countries yeah. where people just don't speak english or french um any other stories or what what's uh, what is your how do you get by day to day you know um, um i most of the countries i i developed a technique which kind of uh, I know tenors like the mm -hmm. tenors I bragged about in Russian uh, I, I would try to learn those words in different languages just to explain a little bit then I have a folder on my phone uh, with my favorite photos and with those I give my phone to someone and they can scroll and they will understand where I've been and where I'm from and this is my dad so I know the Papa or whatever, that's my brother and that's Canada and, and that's, you know, that's a tent. So you, they understand sure. what I'm doing. And then I will also make signs, but most difficult country. You've been to China? Yeah, a couple of times. Have you tried even buying bananas, fruits? It's so, it's so complicated. Yeah, I don't. Have you have you um, have you learned like the uh, um, six? Yes, seven, eight, exactly. Nine, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're good. Yeah. So you have to learn that. But when and this like the 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 gesture for um, go away, it means exactly the contrary. It means come here. Yeah, they go like this. It's like it's like waving forward from underhand. Like it it, it really looks like go maybe, away. Like that was Malaysia, so maybe China is different. But yeah. But yeah, okay. So yeah. but. Yeah. Even the, the simplest thing. We would go like thing. this, but that's how you call a dog. So they don't oh. do it overhand because that would be like calling a dog and it'd be rude to call you like that. Yeah. So they do it like but this. anyway, like every day I would learn another 
gesture like that to, mm-hmm. to learn yeah, but even to try and they want to combine with the fact that they want to know exactly what you want so you're i take six bananas and then she waits and then i try to do to show her with kind of uh, uh, uh rubbing my fingers together money how much uh, uh like that my my two hands together how much and she's just waiting for me to say the chinese words how much does it cost it will never come yeah. uh, and at some point that that's how i learned that the even the hand signs to say that the the numbers are different because it looks like they're characters yeah You know, a funny story. I actually teach all my students how to count to 10 with one hand in Chinese style. Okay. Just for the hell of it. And then I make them do quizzes. So I make them close their eyes and I say, okay, everybody show me seven. And one kid says, why do we do this? I'm like, why not? When China like, will be. What if you uh, ever go to China? Yeah. No, that's really useful. I, <laughs> I, I, like, because I, I can. I'm the teacher. I, I you be, just do what I say. <laughs> I would have been grateful if uh, if you were my teacher. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> no, it's so complicated, and also, and then in the hotels, they uh, my my maximum, the longest time that it took me was one night. Uh, seven hotels refused me. Uh, I had to go from one hotel to the other in the town seven times before one accepted me because it's if they do one error in the system with the registration because you're a foreigner right yes yeah. and then they cannot read the passport so i had a sheet that i translated everything but then they don't have a proof that everything is correct and they have so many questions where did you enter china which port uh, and from your which where did you get your visa so they have to write like ottawa in in chinese and so many questions and jonathan you know in, doesn't how do you write that in china in chinese So they would just say, whatever, go to another one. It's too complicated. I don't want the consequences of, mm. of doing an error. So you got your visa in Canada for China? Yeah, I did. Um, I had planned to, ha- to have it in, in, in Kyrgyzstan the first time, but, okay. but the f- like a month before the embassy was bombarded, there was a bomb uh. there. And so they, uh, they stopped the service. Um, and so the next time, I, when I released the book later on, I, I was in Canada and then I got the 10 years visa for China. Okay, because I hear a lot of people do Georgia too, right? That's the other place where I think I think people get them in Georgia. In Or is jo- that for the Kazakhstan visa? Um, the Kazakhstan, I did it in Azerbaijan. In Azerbaijan, okay. And it was complicated too. It mm. was, uh, that's a chapter in the first book. Like the, um, the you know, in Asterix, they have to go to, uh, the, 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 is it the works or is they have to do 12 different things the travel asterix how you say that it's not yeah nobody knows yeah 12, 12 anyway the, 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 the uzbek the uzbek um consul i arrived there and it's totally by chance like you cannot know when it's open you mm-hmm. just have to go then you wait and then the guy said oh you gotta go pay to this bank which is on the other side of the city. So I go there and then they say, the bank changed, it's another neighborhood. So you go to another place, then you pay, they give you one paper, have no clue if it's legit. And then you come back, then the guy is for lunch, he's away, so Mm -hmm. I still waited. (laughs) And then um, now I see the, the the consulate, 
And he, uh, he said, why do you, uh, oh yeah, I have my passport. Now I, I paid already. So it should be a formality. And he, he said, what's your nationality? And, and my, he has my passport. I said, Canada. He said, no, that's your country. What's your, uh, your nation? Um, France? I don't know. Like, 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 like 400 <laughs> years ago, France, I, I I guess my, my grandmother was Irish. He's like, that's not relevant. What, why are you telling me this? <laughs> Because I, in, in ex-Soviet, they have specific, even now, I think in the Russian passport, you can have, you can be Kazakh or Uzbek or Tajik. You can even be mm -hmm. Jewish on the Russian passport. So you have, you're Russian your race or religion or whatever. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of different from your country. So now he's like, he's asking me, well, are you like Chinese? No, of course I'm not Chinese. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe he wants to say race kind of. So I say Caucasian. And we're in. And he's in Caucasus. <laughs> we're we're in the Caucasian in the region. Caucasus, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, in Caucasus. Yeah, we're in like actually right there. And he looks at me. You're in, you're not Caucasian. <laughs> and then he looks at my passport, and you're from Canada. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I'm from Canada. Sorry, it took me so long <laughs> to come back to my first answer. So. He, uh, he said, I have a question for you. What is 2T22? I say, it's a tribe in Africa. And then he laughs. And the other guy, his assistant behind the, 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 the glass, laughs as well. And he said, I like you. I'm going to give you the visa. And he gave me the answer, 2T22, it's, it's supposed to be a wordplay. It's like when you order two, cup of, two cups of tea to room number two. And I said, that's funny. <laughs> so he, uh, he, he's, he, the assistant now, he gives me the visa. And he sh he's showing me a, a magazine night from 1994. And it's written, 10 best reasons to visit Uzbekistan. And then he goes to one page and there's one young girl in a traditional costume. And he said, that's number seven, but you don't need the other one when you have this. And then he gives me the visa. I go back to the hostel and two German guys are there also traveling by bike. I, uh, I met them before and they, uh, they, they, they were, they looked so sad and they told me, We went to see that Uzbek consulate guy and he told me to, to come back in one week for our visas. Did, he didn't want to give it to us. And I said, this one, this visa that I have in my hand, how, how did you get that? What did you say when he asked you what is 2T22? We had no clue. And I said, whatever, you just need to be funny. And, and the guy is so bored that he, yeah. he, he's just trying, to, like he has the full power on everybody. <clears throat> and even like I was saying to him, I, I need the visa now because I'm cycling. And he said, everybody's cycling. Because why would you take your Uzbek visa in Azerbaijan if you're not cycling? And so he was just uh, fooling around with the cyclists. Yeah, just having fun. 
Yeah, I don't remember what was the question. I think we're that. talking about language. And, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're in new places. Oh yeah. How about Korea? And well, Korea's not as bad. Like I taught there in two thousand eight, nine. Man, you've been everywhere. You're you're. Uh, How many countries? Forty. Yeah, forty-four. Forty by bike. Oh yeah, you win. Um, <clears throat> it's more like sixty, but forty who's something counting? drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Korea like the youth were starting to speak a lot more English. Yes. It's not like Japan. Like in Korea, you can get by with English quite well if you talk to a young person. Um, more now. I, 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 was to Japan, I was in Japan a few uh, months ago mm -hmm. and I felt like it really, really changed a, a lot. Months? Yeah, I went yeah. four times to Japan okay. uh, in total and that was the fourth time, but the uh, first time in the winter. Mm -hmm. And uh, it I think it changed a lot. Oh, good. In, I'm looking uh, forward to going. Even in the last maybe eight years mm -hmm. used to be only in Tokyo I, I, I think that it was more in English but now even if you go to smaller towns it's uh, you can speak more English they're starting to to learn bits and bobs you know, yeah little bits but in the trains like it, it used to be only in Japanese yeah and now they would say even in the rural train like a next stop is uh, uh -huh. something na 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 okay yeah. so you you're less lost nice. than Carl's uh, going to Japan soon so uh, I'm sure he so wants to hear more about amazing Japan. Tell us about Japan. It's the Gala it's the cultural Galapagos. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know the Galapagos Islands? Yeah. They they have a flora fauna completely unique in the world and in Japan they're like everyone else but 10 times more so the 10 times but in a good way or like in in both ways good and bad because you always have both sides mm -hmm. but they they have something a lot of things extremely unique like sumo wrestling or their food their food is the perfection is everywhere in every aspect yeah and it it has uh, consequences that are bad because it's good because they push themselves really hard and then everything is extremely clean. You, you're in a massive metropolis, but it feels like you're in a village because it's so quiet. It's everything runs mm -hmm. like uh, they're all little ants, but because they're living for the collectivity instead of one person they're kind of repressed i think as one one person and there's a lot of suicide self identity is lost in that sense yes like it's it's good to sleep in the train or in public transport because it shows that you you work so hard that you cannot even stand up to go back in your apartment uh there's a word in in japanese i don't remember the exact word but it means a woman that works so hard she doesn't have the time to iron her blouse so she has to wear a knitted sweatshirt there's a word for that yeah, yeah i didn't know it and then there's the word karoshi which means you work so hard that you kill yourself at work mm -hmm. not not physically not uh, on purpose yeah. just you're so exhausted you you you, you collapsed yeah and, it happens i think like people actually die working yeah and then i cycled through the um the the forest of 
of suicide. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know, but I, I was mm. researching yes. after and I, I learned that it was exactly that spot. Um, and it's where people go to kill themselves because they don't want to bother anyone with that. Yeah, and be found. Or it's like, yeah, exactly. And and also it's it's on the side of Mount Fuji and then with the volcanic rocks and the vegetation, it's so it's really dense, so it will absorb the noise so you don't disturb mm-hmm. anyone with your uh, with that. I love Japan. Yeah, you've been there four times, huh? Yeah, yeah. I uh, went, I climbed Mount Fuji. I... Uh, I have a friend who's been living in Japan for most of his life. He went there right after he graduated from university. He's married with a Japanese woman. He has kids there. And I think he's he's probably more Japanese than, than Japanese people because he wants to be yeah, Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And so when it, whenever I go, he, he always wants to uh, to do like typical Japanese things like climb Mount Fuji or uh, or go see a sumo tournament but not like one of the six but the last day it lasts for two weeks yep. and then the last day of the sumo because that's where they will give the price uh, what else we we went to uh, in the uh, um, to, to, in the Buddhist monastery where you have the the traditional food mm-hmm. and then you got you have the prayers and all of that yeah it's really interesting yeah, you, you cycled uh, Shimanami Kaido yes yes Isn't I it did. amazing it's the Shimanami Kaido is the most beautiful cycling path in the world I think that it I've must done. be up there I cycled from Osaka to Hiroshima so uh, so you saw it but you didn't cross oh no I cycled it Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I cycled all the bridges and stuff, but yeah. I crossed the whole island. Yeah, I took a ferry from Wakayama across the bay, okay, or whatever you want to call it, the body of water. And this, it's the uh, Seto the Strait uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, then, yeah. Uh, it's it's wonderful. It's it's so you go from I one island to the other. I think it's six or seven bridges. Seven, I think. And um, yeah, I think it's six tiny islands between the um, two so Anshu at the north and uh, Shikoku, Shikoku at the south and you go they all look different but a bit like uh, Golden Gate Bridge yeah and what I thought kind was of. really awesome was the I mean they had their own cycle lanes and sometimes yes. they had their own on-ramps corkscrew, so you're right? like on a corkscrew on-ramp yeah. there's no vehicles because it's a uh, it's an on-ramp that's two meters wide and or maybe a little bit more. It's only 80 kilometers. And I thought, oh, it's easy. I'll do it in one day. Uh, and then again, I'm like, why, why, mm-hmm. why I can. I, so I slept on one of the island. Yeah, I found a couch surfer on one of the islands and I oh, yeah. couch surfed. Yeah, it was cool. I, I just camped next to a coffee shop. It's probably awesomer. Yeah. Actually, the couch surfer was pretty cool. We, uh, we went up and like she took me around to some different viewpoints and Cool places, yeah. Very nice. But the rest of Japan is not that great to cycle to cycle there. I feel because it's uh, it's too many too much mountain the the topography of it. So if you go inside the island, it's really long. It's a long detour to come back. And if you stay on the coast, especially on Honshu, the main island, and especially once you arrive a few hundred kilometers mm-hmm. from Tokyo, there it's um. Conner, oh, I don't even know if it's a word in English, but in French, it's a conurbation. With conurbation, I guess maybe it's the same thing. But it's a, it's when a city is so big that it will enter in another city. So it's never even okay. a suburb. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you have 
Yokohama, Kawasaki, Tokyo, Shiba. Yeah, they're and, all one big city now. And yeah. then it's just like, uh, it's even bigger than the megalopolis. Like it's mm. just, Tokyo, it has 43, with all those cities around, it's like 43 million people in mm -hmm. one kind of giant city. Yeah. It's more than Canada's population. Yeah. Which is yeah, yeah, yeah. nuts. In a, in a radius of maybe 150 kilometers. Uh, no, not even that's That would be the diameter, actually. Mm -hmm. So only 80 kilometer radius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I think if you're like, if you're interested in going off-road though and up into the mountains, I think yes. Japan could be great. Yeah. I know when I was in, um, I did a couple of really cool adventures. One near Wakayama, I went to... Um, there's a famous um, monastery up in the mountains and I did a jogging adventure. So I kind of just ran all day and um, pretty awesome. Like just really empty, you know, because maybe people weren't jogging up. They were taking the tram. They have more um, bike pack now in uh, Yeah, in bike Japan. packing routes. Yeah, but bike packing mm. crowd is, mm. is becoming... And I said, um, I don't know, five, ten minutes, uh, uh, ten minutes ago about... The, that the, it's the Japanese people are all like living together, but bike pack in Japan, from what I saw, is a way to differ, differentiate yourself because they bring frames and parts from Europe, mainly from US. So it's totally different. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like a mamachari, like the mm -hmm. the old or not old, but the cargo the bike mommy that, style. Yeah, yeah, that everybody bikes. rides you have a yeah you have a unique construction and they do bikepacking trip it's still not that popular but uh, i think it's growing mm -hmm. and they have a race huh, around the they nagano have one. yeah i know is they it, have is it or like the nagano something race i don't or, know I, uh, I know i saw a thing about a long distance ultra distance type uh, yeah. bikepacking race but i don't remember the details yeah so what else? What else can we talk about? Tell some more stories. Because I like this whole thing was like in an order that is not relevant. We didn't. Uh, <laughs> no. But that's okay. I like this. Um, you want to name name one country? Netherlands. Netherlands. I've never been. Oh no, it's not true. I've 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 been, but no, I I haven't cycled there. It's yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I the thing is in Europe, it's, oh, you didn't tell us about the Pamir. So there's oh a, yeah, there's the Pamir. A, yeah, um, I didn't know about the Pamir. You didn't know about it? No, I didn't. I oh. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I left from Europe, uh, and I was going east. And actually, I think I wanted to go to Kyrgyzstan, but I didn't know anything about Tajikistan. And I thought I would go probably through the Fergana Valley, which is northeast of Uzbekistan, but mm -hmm. also a bit in the surrounding countries. And then I met a Korean, two Korean guys. They were coming from Korea, so I, I crossed path with them. And they said, uh, are you going to the Pamir? I think I was in... Uh, going in that region you know kazakhstan or uzbekistan okay. at the time and going close to it and they said we just finished the pamir they looked destroyed and they said 
it's it's so high in altitude it's you you're going to be on a plateau between 4000 and 5000 meters for weeks on end uh no vegetation there's nothing like nobody lives there almost you need a special visa yeah, you, to to get to that autonomous you region get it in like Coruscant or something or what's it, what no uh, it's the, the, what's the name of it? yeah i don't i forget yeah, yeah. not Coruscant. Uh, and then uh yeah, now I'm just thinking about it. Uh, and then you, uh, it's, it sounds like Gadakhstan, but I'm confusing with the, the east of Azerbaijan. Anyway, the uh, is it Nagorno something or that's in Azerbaijan? Yeah, that's in Azerbaijan. Ah, damn. Okay, so anyway, going east, I met those Korean guys. They say 4,000, 5,000 meters, it's a plateau, and then nobody lives there or a few people. So you have a village every uh, two or three days, maybe a lot of wind. It's really cold. Uh, to get on the plateau, you have to climb for days. Uh, the, the road is destroyed. And then on the other end of it, you, there's a border going to China, and so they only open the border for once a week i think so all the trucks are going in one go oh, wow and okay. so, so you're alone for six days and then one day you're passed by 200 trucks on those on those roads that are hard to pedal on a bike so a really good tip there though is if you're riding up there and all of a sudden you start seeing all these trucks it's just get off the road and camp for a day right and then yeah because by the next day they'll be gone and yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you'll you'll get out of the all the dust mm -hmm. but then when they told me that i'm like guys 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 you had me at uh just when i saw your face i was convinced like you didn't have to tell me all of that <laughs> i i was already convinced for a long time ago and uh and so i decided to go there and it was when well, you're on a touring bike that's heavy that's a, also to be considered right like because but it's not that the first bit is difficult okay because it climbs a lot but once you're on the plateau mm -hmm. it's similar to the altiplano actually on okay. in south america and bolivia you're super high but you're always at that altitude ah. uh, and if you compare to like kyrgyzstan where it's completely different kyrgyzstan is there they're valleys so you go to 3500 then you go down to 1000 or mm. 800 and you go up and then you go down and the pamir once you're on top you just follow that for a long time and you have six passes but they're not that difficult okay because you you maybe you climb 400 meters to for that pass and it's a bit hard because of the wind and because and the thin air probably doesn't yes but then again some days are good some days are bad okay. and you you can be fit and and have problems in the altitude or vice versa mm -hmm. you never know um i'm not i think i'm better when i'm in altitude compared to the other cyclist okay because i'm always the same so when they uh they start to uh to be kind of sick I'm I'm still normal mm. and I I look I look good in altitude. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but uh, uh, Pamir Pamir and Carretera Austral, those are my two greatest uh it, it, roads or like itineraries that I would suggest. Oh yeah. If you want to feel like you're on another planet. Hmm. Any other questions? What about Canada? I've never crossed Canada. It's too, maybe I'll probably I'll do it one day, but I, it's the, I think it's the same reason why I've never been to Australia because it's really big 
well, Australia is a massive desert also, so it's even worse, but it's, it's, it's kind of the same culture. So I, I don't travel to have, like I said, that amount of kilometers or countries. Um, it's to meet people and, and learn about another culture. So Canada, I don't think I, I would prefer to just do a loops in the Rockies really instead of crossing the mm. whole thing for three months or in my case like well five months or two weeks or whatever well i know i know some yeah some people are doing it super quickly yeah we've got a question back there how traveling changed your perception um by changed the way i hear myself with the we in Canada we always think we have to choose between French and English and um, we we always live in that duality and also because English it's the language of it's the language that we speak all over the world it's like the lingua franca mm -hmm. the, the common language that we use but here it's also the language of Oh, we lost the French lost against the English. So we have this. And so if we want to speak in English, it's like, Oh, do I abandon my French? And I, I, I don't think that, I mean, if a Norwegian speaks in English, I don't think he abandons the, the Norwegian language. Yeah. It's just to be understood by, by more people. Um, so yeah, that Canada's history is a little different. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so th there's that. We're we're super lucky, but I knew that before. But we're so lucky with the visa, with the the passport. We can go anywhere in the world. They see our passport. It's never like, oh, are you a terrorist? Like it's it's mm -hmm. so easy. And especially by bike, you arrive to a border. One time he said, uh, I was crossing from, I was entering Turkey, and the guy said, uh, Oh, whoa, 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 not so quick. I gotta search you, and then he he proceeded to kick one of my pannier, and he said, "Yeah, it's okay, you can go." Like <laughs> some guys, some guys from uh, tiny countries. A guy I don't remember. I think I met a guy from Liechtenstein. It was a tiny country like that, and and he told me that I I, actually, I told him, man, so cool to come from a super super tiny country that nobody knows or nobody knows anything about it and he said it's such a pain every time i go to a, another country i show my passport and they think, they think it's it, they think it's fake it doesn't exist what is that they, they would show me your real passport you noob and he's like i have to to prove like i have to show up a, 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 a map it's here are you sure it's a and then they call the other people the guy's telling me he's from Lichtenstein. so it's it's also good that they know that canada exists and and canada it's the same in every country and every language yeah I, it's not like Allemagne, alemania germania germany mm -hmm. or or even other, yeah yeah that they were or I don't know what else, but uh, yeah, Canada's it's Canada. this it, yeah. every it's always written the same mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I don't know if it's that's a big plus, but that's uh, everybody knows it. Every 
and when I was started traveling in 2016, it was the beginning of the Trudeau era. And ev- that surprised me. Everybody loved Trudeau. They they would they loved him like he was more popular than Obama. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Azerbaijan, young girls in Baku they were telling me like, "Oh man, you're so lucky. You have Trudeau. Like you're your prime minister." And and because they have a dictator with the his face is all over the country, so they like at least if it was Trudeau, it would be nice to look at. <laughs> and and this it it was funny that in every country, but then. Two years later, no nobody was talking about him anymore. Oh yeah, no. I think people still do. I think I don't know. I like I know I've been all over, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, you guys have Trudeau," and I'm like, "I know now." They're like, they "Oh, just, you have Poliev, man. He's such a stud, man. That Poliev guy." That now is no, that no, the, no. New, the new Trudeau? <laughs> the new Trudeau? <laughs> yeah, he had a pretty cool picture of it. like somebody had painted a mural somewhere, right? On of Trudeau or Poliev? Yeah. Trudeau. Okay. Yeah, somewhere I forget what country you were in, but there was like a painted mural of. Oh, he was he was known. Yeah, he was he was loved. It was crazy. I remember when I uh, when I lived in Russia, there was uh, I'd walk down the road and you'd always see the hooligans, you know, the shaved heads, and they'd see you and you're totally they, they could tell a mile off you're a foreigner, and they'd be like, "Fuck USA," and you're like, "No, I'm Canadian." We love Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then a few years later, Obama got elected, and they're like. We love USA, and you're like, "Whoa, what happened?" <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and it's funny because they're all like skinhead racist guys who are yelling out, "We love Obama," and I'm like, "My, uh, my, my, the German friend I told you about, he he had that in uh, in Iran. They uh, they were like, um, they they were like that with the Hitler sign. No, yeah? yeah, because the the not Nazi, but the Aryan race, mm-hmm. they they say in Iran that they're from their descendant from that same thing. I don't know about that. Yeah, so they they said, uh, yeah, you guys, you abandoned the project, and he's like, no, no, you didn't have the memo. <laughs> it's not <laughs> not cool anymore. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Yeah, go ahead. How long is this? Uh, uh, we can end anytime. <laughs> okay. You don't have to take my question. Go no, ahead. Yeah. I'm a photographer, so I'd love to know about the oh, logistics yeah. yes. of photography and maybe a story or something. Said the guy with like a lens that is the same weight as my bike. <laughs> yeah. But so I I had a bunch of stuff. At the beginning, only uh, one kind of tiny camera because it was a uh, mirrorless. So it's the body is smaller than uh well now you don't even have dslr anymore but it used to be more uh popular and i had three different lenses i think maybe two would have been enough but i had a 10 to 24 18 to 55 and 55 to 200 and the the largest one like the telephoto is really interesting to take photos of people because they don't know you're taking them in a photo but also i would take i would use it half the time for landscape because you don't go just further, you compress the landscape. And when you're cycling and you have mountains behind, it looks like the mountains are 500 meters behind you instead of 30 kilometers. So I use that lens a lot. And after that, I got the drone. Uh, and drone, I'm always surprised. I always think I will shoot this. And then finally, it's always something else you, you, that you don't see. Uh, it used to be a lot easier. I traveled a year also last year and it was way, way, way harder. A few years ago, 
big the drones were were they were they uh, regulated as much right yeah the police would look at the phone and they'd be like oh amazing i take a photo of the police station and uh, and and now it's so difficult because people are using it they're bigger they're larger they're uh, they're about that. they're larger but also smaller like you could mm -hmm. do everything with it and uh, people are passing drugs or they're taking photos of military camps mm -hmm. all over so it's it's a lot harder i think today um tripod and then the the trick every time i do conferences i have to explain the concept of a tripod because i could if i don't i talk to them for an hour and after that they say okay cool but uh you were alone but also who was taking all your photos when you're in your photo who's taking the photo so i explain you put the tripod you put interval like every three seconds or five seconds then i pedal extremely slow to be in focus i have a manual focus that i put uh, probably uh, on my bike on the road or on something on on the pavement and then I have my focus and I try to pedal one direction and then coming back and then I take maybe 38 photos and there's one or two that are good ah. um, and then I have to select them and zoom super big to see if which one is in more in focus the drone you can do the the same thing um you just put it in place and then shoot interval photos it's sometimes i think it's easier to take a video and sometimes it's easier to take a photo because video you don't need to nail your focus as much but then you want some movement so you cannot move it but then you the drone now I have something on my gravel bike that I can have my, I ordered that on AliExpress. I can mm -hmm. have my uh, controller on, directly on the handlebar. Ah. So I, you don't really control it because it's, it's uh, sensitive. So if you have anything on the road that like you're, you're moving way, uh, but at least you, I didn't leave my, I don't have to leave my controller on the pavement and then come back to pick it mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. I have one photo in the second book that I'm in the ditch with my bike and it's a drone photo because I was again taking photos one every five seconds and I started to ride but I was uphill and just pedaling with one hand and my controller in the other hand and so I fell in the ditch and I decided to keep that photo to show like a bit how it's done kind of behind the scene because when you do a well a long trip you you pedal a lot but mm -hmm. most of the time is just the regular thing like yeah yeah how to take a photo like you ask or what do you eat or the difficulty of uh of the daily life yeah awesome and yet mm. battery it's not as complicated as we think it is i um i had a dynamo like carl here probably the same like light front light back light dynamo usb thing and uh and then i would cycle 12 kilometers an hour and realize like i cannot charge anything at my speed i guess that thing is almost useless it, it takes for and when you plug your phone it, it it's kind of pushing electricity inside your phone but when you pedal it will charge really quick at the beginning because your phone is at 
10%. So it will, it's kind of drinking the electricity. Mm -hmm. But then the 80 to 100%, it, it, it's, it's not, it's almost flat. Yeah. Because I'm not fast enough to give it enough power. So I think now, and also my, um, my hub, my Dynamo hub, it broke twice. It, it didn't really break, but it got loose and you need to send it to Taiwan, mm. this specific model to have it repaired. So it's not that useful. And I think now just bring a, a bigger battery pack and it will be okay. Unless you're, I don't know, you, have, you really have to be outside of the civilization for a week to need the Dynamo. Because even... If you have electricity, if you have some place with electricity every two or three days, it's enough. I would stop in whatever restaurant or market and I'd be like, do you need your freezer? Right now, I'd like to plug everything I, that I have. And then I would plug my, they're like, yeah, okay. And then I have, you know, like drone computer camera another camera I, I i had seven things plugged and then i'd be like thank you i'll take this one mr freeze <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they loved you yeah uh -huh. yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 i would only i would take it at the beginning or at the end just make sure awesome any other questions no all right, Jonathan. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the podcast and yeah, uh, thank you sharing very much. all that uh, randomized stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did we follow your, your schedule? Um, it must have been one heck of a trip. That was minding. No. Yeah, yeah. No. Did you have good weather? <laughs> Did you have good weather? <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank no, it's, you. it's all good. Thank you so much. All right, I will sign off and uh, keep on pedaling.